the 90s babies out there that like <laughs> that song brought back all the all the memories. Hey, welcome to Coastal Community Church as we are launching this series Insane in the Membrane. And hey, my name is Shayla. I'm actually Pastor TJ's wife and I am so excited to have the honor of sharing God's word with you this morning. Melissa, will you hand me a tissue out of that thing? Man, that last song. Woo! I'm just like, I got snot dripping from my nose. You know, I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> I wanted to start off today by, by celebrating something. I don't know um, if you guys realize this, but last week was Easter, and it's like the Super Bowl of church. You know, it's like incredible. Last weekend, we had 2,463 people <laughs> step through the doors of our church. And what's even greater than that, can I just tell you, over 250 people made a decision for Christ last weekend. I mean, it is a huge win, you guys, when 10% of your church gets saved. I mean, go God. And what's even greater than that, 49 of those were kids. And you know why we celebrate that? When you drop your kids back in, in Coastal Kids, they're not just babysitting your kids. You know what? They are learning the truth of God's word, the truth about their identity, the truth about who Christ made them to be. And so I am so thankful that you guys are a generous church, that you give, that you serve, that you do all of those things. Because there's 49 eternities that look a whole lot different that are going to have purpose walking through life. And so I am so grateful for the generations that are going to be changed because of what happened. And it happens every single week. But today we're starting the series, Insane in the Membrane. And I know it's kind of like, it's probably like a horrible name for a series, like Insane in the Membrane. But the reality is, is we're all dealing with those things in life right now, right? Like, and I say we because I am walking through it too. Like the words that you saw up here on the screen and that are rolling through the wild, irrational thoughts, I'm facing that every day. Am I, am I like alone in that or is there anybody in here that kind of walks through like the things that, that plague our mind and the irrational thoughts and, and it just kind of becomes our reality? And, and the thing is here at Coastal, if you've been around us at all, you know that we like to have fun, okay? We like to have fun. But we also like to address the issues at hand. And there is some issues that are plaguing our nation, our community, our world right now that we need to face and we need to deal with and we need to talk about because there are so many people walking through it. And that is the issue of mental health and depression. And listen, there's going to be a whole lot of information today and I'm just going to you know, kind of throw it out there. And the reality is I'm not an expert. Listen, I'm not a, a counselor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. You know, my husband and I were pastors and leaders. And I might not be able to lead you to the answer, but I can lead you to God who his word says that he is the prince of peace and that he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. And so I can lead you to someone who does have the answer to the thing that is plaguing our community, and our nation. And so I want, I, over the last couple weeks, we've been researching and looking at stories and statistics and just really kind of going deep to, to understand the epidemic that is in front of us. And as I was doing that, I, was, I looked up the word or the, the definition for depression, and it says this, a mood disorder characterized by anhedonia, which is actually the inability to feel pleasure anymore. 
And some of us, we're walking out. There are good things in life. There are positive things that happen, but we are struggling so bad that we have the inability to feel any kind of peace or joy or pleasure about the things that are happening in life because we are so bogged down with our own thoughts. It says depression is extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, hopelessness, and helplessness. And listen, when I read this list, I realize that every single one of us is somewhere on this list. There is not one of us that are immune to those things that are, that are happening around us or inside of us. We are all struggling with this on some level. And I think there is, there is a stigma that goes with mental illness. There is this stigma that's like, oh my gosh, we need to stay away from that. There's this stigma that like that person is messed up. There is this stigma that goes along with mental illness. And the reality is so many times what happens is just because you're dealing with something, that doesn't mean that's who you are. Listen, just because you are dealing with something does not make that thing that you're dealing with your identity. And I think mental illness and physical illness almost are, are kind of one and the same because the, the thing is, so many of us, we walk around and when we have a physical illness and we go to the doctor and we get a diagnosis, we don't walk around and go, I am pneumonia. I am pneumonia. But for some reason, we walk around and we say, I am depressed. We say, I, I have bipolar, I am bipolar. And we walk around and we make that our identity rather than something that we've been diagnosed with, that there is a cure with, that we need to deal with and we need to process through and that we can walk through and we can have healing on the other side of it because it is not who we are. And we are going to come face to face with this today. And I think we all deal with these symptoms of depressions, and I believe that it's actually the number one health problem in the world right now. They say that one in nine people are on some sort of depression medication. One out of five have been on depression medication. Depression medication has gone up 300% and is still increasing. You guys, it is plaguing us. Depression is the leading cause of disability in the world today. It is not something to be ignored. And there's something that I want you guys to realize today that I want you to understand to your core. It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. As a church, we have a sign. We have words written on our wall out there that says everyone is welcome because nobody is perfect and anything is possible. It is okay to not be okay. Why do we walk around and we put on our makeup and we put on our mask and we act like we have it all together when we don't? We need to start dealing with the issue at hand and to realize that it's okay to not be okay. And we want to create a place at Coastal where it's okay to walk in here broken. 
It's okay to walk in here and say, I'm dealing with some stuff today. That it is okay to not be okay. Because what happens is if you don't get to the place where you realize it is okay to be okay, you tuck it, you hide it, you push it down. And I've discovered that that's where the problems come in. It's because we push it down and we suppress it and we push it down and we never want to deal with it. And I heard another pastor say it like this, pressure busts a pipe. And if we don't learn to deal with it, it is going to explode in our life. And so some of us just need to understand this morning, it is okay to not be okay. And then we want to create a place that you can come in and you can realize that. And that you can be genuine and authentic about what you're walking through. So what's going on? And Why do we find ourselves in this situation because the reality is mental health is a disease it is something that we struggle with but I think at the same time there is a lifestyle culture right now that is perpetuating the problem there is a lifestyle issue that is perpetuating the problem think about this is like I'm gonna give you a couple places where it's perpetuating cell phones and social media do you guys know, actually, TJ gave me this, so I don't know if it's fact. I don't know if it's whatever, so you might have to research it. But he actually said that, that Instagram and Facebook were actually, like, issuing apologies or issuing something. I don't, I don't know what it was, saying that they realize how much likes have destroyed so many people mentally. And they realize the detriment that is done to people's brains and people's psyche. Because social media and cell phones are destroyed. I mean, think about this. You go on Instagram and you're just scrolling through and you're not seeing anything bad. But subliminally, you're comparing. You're doing all of these things and you walk away and you're going, why do I feel this way? Because it is perpetuating the issue at hand. This, how about this, lack of identity. Man, we are in a community and a culture right now that so lacks identity, that is so confused about who they are. And lack of identity causes so much depression, so much confusion, so much of all those. This is why we talk about purpose and the reason that God created us and who he created us to be because lack of identity is perpetuating the problem. How about this? The inability to process pain. People are in so much pain that they don't know what to do, so they drink themselves into oblivion. They do drugs, they binge, they purge, they cut. Because we have an inability to know how to process through the pain that is present in our life and is perpetuating the problem. How about this one? Peer-to-peer mentoring. Sometimes we just go to our friends and we talk about things and and sometimes we need somebody that's been there, done that, accomplished it, overcome it. And we need to be going to them and talking to them instead of fellowshipping in the suffering of our friends and allowing them to feed the problem that is there. Listen, we need friends, we need people in our life, but we also need people on the other side. And if all we're doing is going to the people next to us, it is perpetuating the issue at hand. The last one is this, we live in a narcissistic culture. Think about this, we live in a selfie culture where everything is what do I look like, what filter can I put on here, how can I look the best, how can I present myself in a certain way because I need to look good and it is perpetuating the problem. And all of these things are feeding into the depression that we find ourselves in, the mental health issues that we find ourselves in because it's all around us subliminally. 
And what it does is it cripples us. Do you know that depression is the number two leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34? That the suicide rate is highest among middle-aged white males. And it's actually successful males. See, our emotions and what we feel, they're like waves. These waves, they come and we feel this emotional thing and then those things go. And the emotions come and then they go. The problem is we make permanent decisions on temporary emotions. And so many of us are making permanent decisions about people, permanent decisions about our life, permanent decisions about all of these things in a wave of emotion that is going to be gone. And I want to tell you guys, God is not silent on this subject. As I started researching and studying, I realized, man, God has a lot. There are so many people in the Bible that dealt with depression. I was like mind-boggled. I had never seen it before. But I look at this. The whole book of the Bible called Lamentation is all about God's prophet Jeremiah and his depression. It is depressing. Let me, let me read this. Lamentations 3, 17 through 20. I have been deprived of my peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction. And this word remember is actually this idea of ruminating. And what ruminating is, is just sitting in deep thought. It's just sitting and thinking about all of the negative things, all of the bad things, and just soaking all of those things up and just getting further and further into where we don't even allow outside voices. We are just stuck in our mind and we are ruminating and remembering the wrong things. It says, he remembered, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness, the gall, and I well remember them. How many of us rehearse those things in our head? I wish that gosh damn tarp, whatever it is, the, the tape would just shut up. It says, I remember them well. My soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah is, he's depressed. The Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle that ever lived, the greatest ambassador of Christ that ever lived. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 1.8. We don't want you to be uninformed. At least he was willing to talk about it. Brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the prov province of Asia. We are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. That we despaired of life itself. You guys, this is Paul. Paul, that like the advancement of the gospel greater than anybody, despaired of life itself. Listen, you are not alone. There are other people that have walked it, that has been there. And one of my goals is to say, listen, this is real. And we understand that it is real. But until we're willing to talk about it and address it, man, it is going to continue to destroy us. And so we're going to talk about it today, and I'm going to take you guys to a passage of Scripture in 1, King, and that's 1 Kings, and it's actually the story of Elijah. And Elijah had actually just come off of one of the greatest victories of his life. Elijah was a prophet in his time, and what a prophet was, was actually like this mouthpiece for God. And so Elijah had just come off of one of the greatest victories, and how many of you guys know sometimes after the greatest victories, you have the lowest lows? For some reason, that happens. 
So Elijah just had this incredible victory where in, in this time and age, there is people that were serving God, but they were also creating gods in their image. And they were worshiping these created, these false idols. And there was a God that they would serve called Baal. And they had prophets of Baal. They had all of these different things. And Elijah shows up and he's, listen, he's like, listen, choose who you're going to serve here. And he, he asked God to do some pretty incredible things. And God shows up and basically annihilates any people's idea that Baal was actually going to come through for them. And he just totally embarrasses everybody. And, and then Elijah goes and murders all the prophets of Baal. I mean, this dude is crazy. But it was one of the, the greatest victories he had. It, it was at, there was actually a drought where he was for three years. Elijah prays after that victory and God rains down, like pours down rain from heaven after three years. God did some miraculous things in that time. But then Elijah has a really low low. And it says this right after the greatest victory. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. If you don't know about Jezebel, she ain't good, okay? <laughs> everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Excuse me. May the gods strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. And Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Listen, God just came through for Elijah. He was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, where he left his servant there. And he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And I want to pull some things out of this story that I think are some reasons why we fall into depression. The reason why Elijah fell into depression in the first one is this, faulty thinking. See, he had just come off his greatest victory, yet all of a sudden, after God just came through in miraculous ways, he's fearing and running. He began to live in this faulty thinking, and so many of us have faulty thinking. We rehearse the negative. We think about the worst case scenario. Anybody out there that do that? Okay, I do this all the time. I was, I was searching Pinterest the other day, and I saw this quote, and it says, I've got 99 problems. 86 of them are completely made-up scenarios in my head that I'm stressing about for absolutely no logical reason. Man, we just think about the worst case scenario in everything. So TJ and I are foster parents, and we have a foster baby named Alexander. We've had him since he was five days old. He's 13 months now. And across this, across this, um, this journey with Alexander, I remember when we were first feeding him solid food, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to choke on something. I might need to, like, cut it up smaller. And I was, like, imagining the worst-case scenario. Then he started walking, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to fall, and his, his tooth is going to go through his lip, or he's going to bust his face, and I'm going to have to take him to the hospital. And I'm like, so I am literally, you guys, no lie, walking around like this <laughs> as he's walking. And TJ starts making this helicopter noise. And I'm like, I just turned at him. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, helicopter mom. And I was like, bye. 
But we spend a lot of time thinking and worrying, and we have this faulty thinking again that is beginning to get us stuck in our own head. And we rehearse the negative and we rehearse the, the worst case scenario. But actually in Philippians 4 it says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then he says, keep putting into practice all that. Why does he say put into practice? Because it is not natural to think positively. It's natural to think about the worst case scenario. It's natural to think about the negative things. But he's saying, listen, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, we have to practice putting our mind in that place. Listen, we choose what we dwell on, and there is good that are around us, and we have to try to fix our thoughts on the right things rather than ruminating on the wrong things. We have to begin to reverse our thinking. Then another thing that Elisha does is isolation. It says that he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there, and he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. Do you know you can be next to people and still be lonely? Because if you aren't alone relationally, you're alone in your thoughts. And I don't know about you, when I'm alone in my thoughts, it's a bad thing. Because I just begin to marinate on the wrong things and I cannot trust myself. I cannot trust myself to sit there and to think because I will lie to myself all day long and I will begin to believe the lies that are running through my head. It's why we have connect groups and we push connect groups so much and we will unapologetically do that. Because the reality is, is that groups are not a luxury, they are a necessity. And the greatest tool of the enemy is isolation. And when we get depressed and we get defeated and we are dealing with those things, we want to isolate ourselves in our thoughts, but it's actually the worst thing that we can do. And if we can begin to get in a group and we can begin to surround ourselves with the right people, we have people that are further along in a, than us. We have people that are walking the journey with us. We have people that are watching our back and protecting us from the things. We have people that can see what we don't see. We need community. We need people to help pull us out when we're getting down. Isolation will destroy you. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So you guys, we are better together. We have to fight for community. We have to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone to get connected in community because we need people. You know, I think another thing that Elijah does is he starts being led by his feelings. It said that he sat down under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He felt so in despair. He felt so desperate. And so many of us, again, are making that permanent decision on a temporary emotion. And we have all of these feelings. But can I just tell you something? Your feelings are not fact. Yeah, that's right. Your feelings are not 
fact. And so many times what we're doing is standing on our feelings as truth rather than standing on the truth of God's word. And we're allowing our feelings to dictate our response, which is why we build our life on the truth of God's word. The greatest foundation that we can do. Can I just tell you, when I'm in places that that I am in despair, or I'm in depression, or I am, am doing any of this, I don't feel like getting in God's word. But it is the greatest thing for my life because in Hebrews it says the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It is going to cut directly to the issue. It is going to bring life. It's going to cut out depression. It's going to cut out the things that shouldn't be there, and it's going to replace it with the things that should be. John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have to stand on the truth of God's word. It's why we give you devotionals. It's why we give you all of those kind of tools, because we want to give you the resources that you can pick up in those moments, and you can begin to feed your soul, and you can begin to stand on the truth of God's word. I think the final thing that Elijah does that perpetuates the depression in his life is comparison. You know, at the end of those verses, it says, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's looking at it saying, man, I'm not better than them. They did it better, so you might as well just take me out. I can't do it as good as they did, so you know what, just disqualify me. And comparison is one of the greatest killers in our life and, and in our peace and in all of, those, all of those different things. I mean, think about it. You see, oh, my gosh, my neighbor, they just posted the brand-new kitchen they put in. How, oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. Well, yeah, now they're $20,000 in debt. But they don't tell you that. Here's my $20,000 in debt kitchen. Isn't it beautiful? But yet we look at people's life and we begin to compare ourselves among ourselves and we begin to say, oh man, I'm not as good as them or I don't have the life that they had or they seem like they have it all together. Nobody is posting their depressing moments. And we're comparing our miserable moments to their highlight reel. Nobody's walking around, you know, just like, I had an argument on the way to church, or I had this. No, we're walking in, and we're just, like, putting it all together, and I'm great, and I'm good. And we're looking around, and we're seeing people's marriages that they just seem great, but yet they're falling apart at home. We begin to compare what we see on the outside with the crap that's going on on the inside of us. You know, so many times people come up to me, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Shayla, you and Pastor TJ, you just, you have it all together, you whatever. No, we don't. And I'm going to be completely transparent with you guys right now. TJ and I are walking through one of the most difficult personal journeys that we've ever walked through. The little foster baby that we told you guys about, we have re- we're going to have to begin to let him go. Because they're going to end up reuniting him, which is, is the goal of foster care. It is not terrible, but it also is crushing. And TJ was actually supposed to stand up here and speak this message this weekend. He wrote it. And he 
said, Sheila, I can't. He said, I need to rest. I need to heal. And I just want to tell you guys, I am so thankful for a husband and a pastor. And you guys should be honored that you have a pastor that doesn't just say it's okay to be and not be okay, but actually lives it out. That doesn't just say, I want to create a church where it's okay to not be okay and then tries to put it all together. Guys, we are hurting. And he needs, he, he needs to heal right now. And I said, please rest. Please take the time to do that. And he's not in a dysfunctional place or anything like that. He just needs to rest. He needs healing. But when we compare and we look at people's life and we think it's all together, it is not true. We compare ourselves to those things and it's causing us to live to a standard that we were never intended to live for. Listen, you guys, we live for an audience of one. One. And that is Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be here and I don't have to please people and stand up here and try to please you because I don't live for the pleasure of men. I live for the pleasure of my Savior. And when we try to please men and compare ourselves, it only brings destruction in our life. And I don't want you guys to feel bad for us. I want you to pray for us because I know that God's going to bring healing and peace. So what do we do? I have to like fly through this, okay? Too many, too many crying times. So what do we do? I want to pick up again in 1 Kings 19, 5 through 9. And it says this about Elijah. It says, then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. Some of you guys, that just became your saving grace. God is saying, take a nap. Okay, take a nap. And then it gets even better after you take a nap. It says, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around and beside his head there was some baked bread. It was carbs, y'all. Take a nap. Then eat some carbs. Then, hey, you know what? The bread was on some hot stones. I was like, Lord, you're telling him to get a massage. The hot stone massage. And then what do they do after the massage? They give him some water. I'm like, Lord, you are telling him to have a spa day. Take a nap. Eat some carbs and go to the spa. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah, please. Some of us need to do that. We need to take a rest. We need to take a nap. says, so he ate and drank and laid down again, and the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate, and he drank the food and gave him enough strength for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where he came into a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I would ask you that today. What, do you, what are you doing here? What does God want to speak to you? What does he want to show you? What are you doing in this time that you are plagued with all of these things? What are you doing here, Elijah? And what happens in the rest of the story is Elijah begins to just pour out his heart to God. And he pours out his disappointment. And he says, God, I've done all of these things. I've showed up. I've been obedient. I've done all of these things. And I don't feel like you've shown up. 
I feel like I'm alone. There's nobody else that's serving you. Everybody else is serving Baal. I'm the only one. And he pours out his heart and God says, listen, listen, Elijah, I, I got this. And he said, I want you to go outside. And when he goes outside, a huge wind like a hurricane passes by. Then an earthquake takes place, and Elijah's looking for God and all of these things. Then a fire happens. But then the Lord shows up in a still, small voice. And he tells him to go anoint some kings in Israel and Judah, and to go anoint someone named Elisha that will be his future heir. And then God tells him, he's like, FYI, Elijah, I know you think you're the only one. FYI, I, think you're, I know you think you're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one walking through this. You're the only one that is facing some of these things. He said, FYI, I have five or 7,000 other people that haven't vowed their need to bail, that have served me, that are walking this, that are overcoming this, that are pressing forward. I know you think you're the only one, but there are many. And I want to give you guys really, really, really quickly some practical things. The first thing is this. Get healthy physically. Eat healthy. Go work out. Go take a nap in Jesus' name. Please get some rest. Every study that I have read shows that the greatest antidepressant is exercise and rest. And some of you guys have been scrambling through life at an obscene pace. And you need to take some time to rest. It is biblical. God created the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. And if we don't rest, it is sin. And we need to be resting. Our world does not promote rest at all except for this guy. <laughs> he would like for you to take a nap with his pillow, okay? The second thing you need to do is to pour your heart out to God. Listen, God is not scared of your mess. It doesn't matter if it's irrational. It doesn't matter if it's crazy what you're thinking. It doesn't even matter if what you're thinking is not the truth. God just wants you to come to him and pour your heart out because he already knows what's going on in here. You just need to get it out. So stop holding on to it. In Matthew, it says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. See, the reason we have so much anxiety and depression is because we're carrying things we were never meant to carry. And we need to begin to pour out our heart before God. Every single day, because you all know we pick it back up the next day. So every single day, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. The third thing is this. You need to experience the power and the presence of God. But in order to do that, you have to make time. You have to turn down the world's volume, the social media, the, all of those things to tune yourself to God's voice. In Psalms 46.10, it says, be still and know that I am God. What I love about this verse, it says, be still and then there's a comma. Be still, comma. You got to slow down. You got to listen. You got to shut some things out. 
Because if all you're getting of God is here on a Sunday morning, you will be malnourished. Because God wants to speak to you every single day. He wants to meet with you. He wants to allow you to experience his power and his presence. And again, in my darkest moments, I don't want to go to God's word. But when I do, I find peace. I find life. I find hope. It is a practice. And we need to be pouring our hearts out to God and then allowing ourselves to be still and experience the power and the presence of God. Because he will meet you if you seek him. And there's some of you guys out there today, you need to be renewed in your mind. You need to be renewed in your hope. You need to be renewed in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe after service, you need to go get baptized. Maybe you need to say, the old is gone and the new has come. And I'm going to wash away the old, the old mindset, the old thoughts, the, the old habits. And I need to be raised to life again. Some of you guys maybe need to renew your commitment to Christ and say, God, I need your mind. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in here today, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we are not the sum of our thoughts or the depression or any of those things. That we, that is not our identity. Our Our identity is found in who you say we are. And Lord, I pray today that you would bring peace that passes all understanding. God, that you would renew hearts, that you would renew minds, Father, that that you would restore things that have been broken, that you would restore identity, that you would restore purpose in this place today, God. We just pray that, God, you would just fill us fresh again, that you would give us your mind. In Jesus' name. Amen.